0: Davy Gibbs with us for this convention. His messages has really spoken to our hearts, and people are still talking about the message, especially talked about praying, and then his message last evening. And we invited back to the pulpit today to bring this closing message to us, and I trust that we'll take these messages back to our people but more than back to our people, but we'll ha- put them in our heart and put them into Amen. practice. Dr. Gibbs, you come speak to us, please.
1: Thank you, my brother. Thank you. It has been just a wonderful, wonderful privilege uh, for us to get to be here, Brother Steve Cluth. I- I don't think I introduced Brother Steve. Stand up, Brother Steve. This precious man has been with our ministry for 15 years. And Brother Paul Krasinski, it's just been a tremendous honor. Thank you, thank you for letting us come. Uh, your spirit, the spirit of the people, has touched us deeply. And I'd love to say you get that everywhere you go. But you don't. That's right. And it is a precious thing the spirit that God has given you. What you're doing is important beyond words. Uh, You're under godly leadership. But boy, I just want to tell you, you are here sharpening your swords because the Lord's got great work for you to do. Great work. And I just would do anything we can do to ever help you, ever. Now please let us know. And I've been blessed by the music of the Parsons. Now, all I could think of when I was watching them was how the devil would love to have them on a Nashville stage. And forget all of this. Just take the talent God has given them and use it for the devil. And just a thrill to watch them sing here and be here and and, um, do all of that. Um, I want to tell Brother Parsons uh, with all these young ladies that you're raising, go buy you a big gun, all right, a big gun. I mean, you, you, you need a gun that scares them at 100 yards, you understand? And I say this respectfully because those egg-sucking dogs will be around, all right? And uh, you, 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 you hate to have to scare them, and every now and then you got to wound one of them, but don't you be. Do a <laughs> Don't you be afraid to pull the trigger, all right? Oh, yeah. How many of you understand the truth of what I just said? Oh, amen, amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to John chapter 13, and then hold your finger there and go over to Mark chapter 14. John chapter 13 and Mark chapter 14. In these next few minutes I want to take you to the life of a man from whom we can learn in closing a tremendous lesson. A tremendous lesson. But it's a man in scripture we rarely go to to learn anything from. Because most of us don't feel we could get anything from him. But I promise you The man we're about to look at has a profound lesson for me to learn, and I submit a profound lesson for you to learn. The man's name is Judas, the man who betrayed Jesus Christ. And you say, Brother Gibbs, what lesson could I ever, ever learn from Judas? What could I learn? Let me tell you the lesson, then we're going to read it. Judas was a great act. A great act. His act was so smooth, so talented, so gifted, so accomplished, that he could be with the disciples for three and a half years, and not one of them caught on that he wasn't real. That's how good his act was. When Jesus at the last supper said, one of you is going to betray me, and we'll read it in just a minute, not one of the disciples said, I knew it, Peter. Nope, I knew it, John. I knew it, Mark. You say, well, no, they'd never say them. Not one of them said Judas. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Have you ever pretended to be what you're not? Have you ever pretended to have a better prayer life than you have? A better time in the Word than you're really spending? A better witness than we are? If we're not careful, we can get comfortable with an act. And that act can fool almost everybody. But it never fools God. Never. I want you to read carefully what it says here. Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 17. And the evening he, that's Jesus, cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? Do you understand? Jesus said, One of you is going to betray me. And it says, One by one. The disciples said, Is it me? Nobody suspected Judas nobody turn back to John chapter 13 verse 21 when Jesus had thus said he was troubled in spirit and testified and said verily verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me then the disciples looked one on another doubting of whom he spake can you imagine Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Andrew, Judas's act has all of them fooled. Who in the world can he be talking about? Now there was leading on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And you know your scriptures. Who is that? That's John. Simon Peter therefore beckoned him. And you can just see Peter doing this. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. John, John, ask him, who in the world is he talking about? Now let me tell you what happens next so you understand how smooth this act is. Jesus said, I'm going to show you who it is. It's the one I give a sop to. And Jesus dips the sop and gives it to Judas. And they still can't believe it. He then lying on Jesus' breath, saying to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered "Is He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag... Uh, can I remind you, Judas was the treasurer. Yeah. And you don't give the money to somebody you're not impressed with. That's good. Boy, has he got a great act. Because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Guys... How can you not see it? It's Judas. He's not real. But you know what Peter would have said back? He said, wait a minute, David. He was there when we fed the 5,000. He helped hand out the loaves and fishes. He picked up one of the 12 baskets of fragments and brought it back. He was there when Jesus opened the blind eyes. He was there when he raised Lazarus back to life. He was there when we went out and even demons were subject to us. But it was just an act. It wasn't real. Every one of us, and I surely confess to this, on occasion has pretended to be better than we are. Pretended to have it together better than we do. A famous actor by the name of Robert Redford was walking through a, a lobby of a Hollywood very expensive hotel and he had an entourage of reporters and staff with him. and a lady spotted him and ran up to him and said, are, are, are you Robert Redford? Are you the real Robert Redford? And I love what he said. He said, no, ma'am, I'm not. He said, you see, what you're looking at right now is the act. If you want to see the real Robert Redford, you'd have to be up in my motel room and see what I am when I'm alone. Isn't it amazing how we can get on a stage... Or a group is watching. Yeah, go ahead. And all of a sudden we turn on the act. Amen. The act. A lesson to be learned from Judas. You and I were never called to be a Judas type act. By the grace of God we were called to be real. Amen. Three keys to being real. Would you write them down please. All found in scripture. And I believe you probably already know them. But boy, I am challenged by this. Um, if the best I am is what's on a platform, then I'm just an act.
0: Bless you, God. Just
1: an act. I'm just a Judas. Oh, maybe at a different level, but it's just a Judas type act. Now, have you ever known a preacher? Boy, I have. Boy, their preaching stirred me, moved me. But then they got off the platform, and I thought, "Where did that guy go?" Because what was off of the platform is not what was on the platform. And and can I give you a severe warning, a severe one? Because I give it to myself. Your act will ruin your kids. It will ruin them. As I travel across America, young people that I've known since they were babies come up to me. And they say, oh, Brother Gibbs, we we just came to see you. Now they're married and have families of their own, and we just wanted to hear you preach. And I say, oh, good to see you. And I always ask them, how's your walk with the Lord? And it terrifies me when they say, no, we've kind of given up on all of that. And I say, what are you talking about? Right. How could you do that? How? What? What happened? And 99% of the time, I get the same story. Brother Gibbs, you don't understand. We went to church, and it was one way. Come on. But then we went home.
0: That's right. mm-hmm.
1: And what was at home was not at church. And pretty soon, what we figured out is that church is an act. And we just got tired of the act. Whoa. How many of you have children? Hold your hands up. How many of you know they're God's little spies? How many of you are aware (laughs) of that? Oh, they are. Wow. Three keys to being real. And, and, And as I give you these... Please understand, every one of us is prone to be an act. There's just something in us that wants to look better than we are. Uh, In our ministry, I have to be very careful. Uh, I get thanked profoundly for things I didn't even know we did. People come up and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't know what they're talking about. But we have all these wonderful, hyper dedicated people who are serving. As you sit here right now, they're serving. And boy, if we're not careful, the act is, we want to say, oh, well, you bet yeah, we're, we did I did all that. No, 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 I didn't do all that. I didn't even know we did it. The bottom line is that pride. And can I use the word that arrogance? of just wanting people to think we're better than we are. Three keys to making sure we're not an act. Write these down. Number one, number one. If I'm going to be real, if you're going to be real, the Bible says we have to humble ourselves in the sight of God. James chapter 4, verse 10. Now please, if you're taking notes, do not write down humble yourself, because that's not the command. It's humble yourself in the sight of God in the sight of God. When's the last time you bowed in front of the one who knows everything? Every thought, every emotion. He knows every fantasy you've entertained. He knows everything. And you humbled yourself in his sight. And said, Lord... You know. I can fool people. I can't fool you. Amen. And God, I don't want to be an act. I humble myself in your sight. Wow. We've already talked about getting clean and getting right. That verse, humble yourself in the sight of God, is written in the continuum. Now the Bible scholars here could explain this with better eloquence than I can. But when something's written in the continuum, that means you say it once, but you never stop saying it. If we were to say it the way we do English we'd say humble yourself in the sight of God and don't you ever stop humbling yourself in the sight of God and you keep on humbling yourself in the sight of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Did you understand? There is no way to be right if we don't humble in his sight, the one who knows us. It changes everything, everything. if I had a little machine here and I don't, that I could hook with non-invasive leads to your forehead and say, we're going to lower a screen here and this little machine is going to read your memory bank every thought you've had for the last seven days. And we're going to shine every thought you had up on the screen so the people here can see the real you. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we want everybody to see you. I wonder how many would say, oh, yeah, 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 hook me up, hook me up. I want everybody to see where my mind's been. Or would you simply say, if they knew me like God knows me, the act would be over over. You'll never get real in life until you first get real with God. And until you say, Father, I humble myself in your sight. And keep humbling it. Keep doing it. Now, the only person who can obey that command for you is you. I know pastors here who would do it for their people because they love their people. You'd do it for your mate if you could, but no one can humble for you except you. And if I were to ask you on a zero to ten scale, zero not being good, how good are you at humbling yourself in the sight of God? My problem is I can see what's wrong with everybody else. How many of you understand what I just said? And I can say, now that guy, that woman, man, they need to get right with God. (laughs) They need to humble themselves. But you know who needs to humble himself? Me. Me. And bow before God. And say, God, you know it all. And you love me, but I'm humbled in your sight. You'll never come out of the act until you humble yourself before him and admit the act. Write the second key down. Number one, you've got to humble yourself in the sight of God. Number two, you've got to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Turn there if you would, please. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, it starts with me humbling myself in the sight of God. But the second key is to walk in the Spirit. And every person here today is either walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh, one or the other. You say, well, Brother Gibbs, I just don't like the sound of saying I'm walking in the flesh. But I'm kind of like, you know, sort of walking in the spirit. No, no, no. You are either walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. And when you're an act, you get hyper comfortable with walking in the flesh. Because the act covers it up. And so my question is, today... Have you been walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh? Now, God gives us the absolute proofs so we can know which one we're in. He says, if you're walking in the spirit, your life will show the fruit of the spirit. And he gives us the benchmarks by which I can tell whether I'm in the flesh or in the spirit. Drop down and look at the benchmarks that are given in verse 22. But I want you to mark it and read it carefully. But the fruit of the Spirit is. Now don't go any further. Circle the word fruit and the word is. Notice he didn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. You are, if you're in the Spirit, every one of these will be evident in your life. Every one. And if one is missing, you're not walking in the Spirit. You say, well, I'm good at two of them. I'm good at three of them. No, no, no. The fruit of the Spirit is. You will have all of these. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Is this fruit right now, manifest in your life? Well, if you're walking in the Spirit, it absolutely will be. But if you're in the flesh, one or more will be missing. We were traveling in a a motorhome, my wife and I, together. And I was going to preach at a Wednesday night service for a church, and we parked our motorhome. Uh, just at the the road, their parking lot swept up a pretty good hill, and the church sat up high, and I didn't want to block people with our motor home. So I'm down near the road, and I'm on the phone uh, with a lawyer and and a judge in California in a very heated, heated case. And now it's 6.30, services start at 7, and my wife came to me, and she said, "Honey, it's it, it's six thirty. Services in a half an hour." And I said, "I know, I know, I know." And man, I'm working to get off the phone. Now it's quarter of. And my wife came back by me and she said, "Honey, it, it's quarter of, and the parking lot's starting to fill up." Just so you know, I said, "I know, I know, I know." I'm trying to get off, trying to get off. Now it's five minutes of. And she said, "Honey, it's five minutes of." I said, "I know, I know." I'm trying to get off, trying to get off. Now it's 7 o'clock. And she came back and she said, Honey, you can hear them singing. They've started. I said, I know, I know. I'm trying to get off. trying to get off. About five, six, seven minutes later, I got off the phone. I hung it up and I turned to my wife and I said, Come on, hurry up, hurry up. You're making us late. Let's go, let's go. (laughs) Don't you look at me that way. Now, to get out of our motor motorhome, uh, preacher, we had these little portable steps that fold out so you can walk down on the steps and they're kind of jiggly and wiggly. And my wife has a, a bad knee and a bad hip. And she's trying to get down these steps and they're hurt. And I'm saying, Come on, quick, quick, go quicker, go quicker. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. And you say, Where did love, joy, peace, Long suffering. Where did it go? It was gone. Now we're trying to walk up this hill, and it is steep. And boy, she struck. I said, "Come on, walk, walk faster, quicker, quicker, quicker." And she said, "Honey, you you, you go ahead. I, I'll r- run up there without me. Run." I said, "No, no, no. It won't look good if I walk in without you." <laughs> Did you hear that? It won't look good. Boy, is that an act talking. Now we get to the front door and the usher opens it up. It's a man I know. And he said, oh, Brother Gibson. us." said, oh, praise the Lord. Good to see you. And I said, right this way, sweetheart. <laughs> When somebody's watching, now the act is going to kick in. Right this way, sweetheart. We walk in and sit down and the preacher sees me and he says, come on up, Brother Gibbs. So I walk up and go sit by the preacher. And I'm sitting there and the Lord started speaking to my heart. He said, you just treated your bride, Gloria like trash and now I suppose after you've treated her like trash, you want me to help you. And I said, yep, that's pretty much what I had in mind.
0: I'm like sunk without you.
1: I thought, what is the matter with me? The act. Do you understand, we think we can slip into the act, totally walk in the flesh, and then somehow just slip back and say, bless me anyway, help me. If you're in the flesh, you're not blessable. And that's why it's so critical to get real. Well, Brother Gibbs, I've never done anything like that. And I'm ashamed to hear you say you did. Well, let me help you. I've done it more than once. Because that flesh is a battle.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: But the devastating thing is if you won't admit it. Because then you're trying to make the act work on everybody else and yourself. You want to believe your own act. Wow. The first thing i got to do is humble myself in the sight of God. The second thing i got to do is walk in the Spirit. And by the way, I've told my wife, I said, if you don't see, if one of these fruits is missing, you tell me immediately. Because I don't want to be an act. I have told my staff, Brother Steve, who travels with me so much, if you don't see this fruit in me, you tell me immediately. because it's so easy to slide over into a Judas type act. Write the third and final thing down and we're done. Number 1, I got to humble myself in the sight of God. Number 2, I got to walk in the spirit. And number 3, I got to not grieve the holy spirit Ephesians 4:30 and I got to not quench the holy spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Do you know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit? It means to hurt him. To put distress on him. To cause him pain. Have you ever seen some kids who are grieving their parents? Breaking a mom's heart? And you say, boy, those kids are grieving her. God says, don't you do that to the Holy Spirit I put in you. When you are an act, you hurt the Holy Spirit horrifically. We grieve him. I know I shouldn't be acting like that, but you just take that. I know I'm pretending to be what I'm not, but. Well, Brother Gibbs, I'd never do that. We do do that. Amen. We grieve him. Brother Steve Cluth and I were invited to a men's meeting up in the mountains of Idaho. Wonderful, wonderful church. And when they invited us to this men's meeting, they said that, now this is a very manly men's meeting, very manly. And I said, right, right, right. And he said, now, Brother Gibbs, no, I mean really manly. And I'm like, what are we, women? I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> here. i like, he said, well, I just want to give you a heads up. Huge men's meeting, huge. But when he said manly, I just had no idea what he was talking about. Well, we got there and I immediately found out they were doing the most manly things I've ever seen. The first event for everybody was a boxing match. No headgear, boxing gloves, and the way you win is when your opponent can't get up and all the other men are screaming at him, you sissy, get up, don't you lay down there. I mean, they're they're splitting lips, they're busting eyebrows. I saw teeth come out. And they said, don't worry about it. They said, we have uh, a doc- two doctors here and a paramedic and an ambulance. And, and I'm like, sweet Alabama, this is crazy. <laughs> Whoa. And, and they said to me, Dad, Brother Gibbs, don't, don't you want to get into the boxing match? I said, no, 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 no. I said, my sport is sumo wrestling. That's my sport. <laughs> I said, when you want to do belly bumping, then I'm in. But some idea that I'm going to let one of these kids rearrange what face I have? No way. The second sport, and I mean, these guys are into this, was a paintball gun face off. You could not, they lined them up about as far apart as this auditorium is wide, gave everybody a paintball gun, turned on high. Now, they have no protective gear, none. And they shoot at each other. Pow, pow. I mean, it's And guys are going, one guy right in the head. They knocked him out cold. I thought, he's dead. We don't need a doctor. That guy's a goner. If you survive that, they moved him in closer. Reloaded all the paintball guns. And then closer, these guys are mauling each other. And I'm there with Steve, and it's like, pow, pow. And they're going, uh, uh, uh. And I thought, Lord, they're really hurting each other. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's nothing to how you've hurt me. I know, Holy Spirit, I'm not to feel like that. but I'm going to hurt you. God says, don't you do it. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you bowed and said, I'm sorry I hurt you? I'm sorry. If this precious man of God came to me and said, Brother Gibbs, you've done something that really hurt me. I can tell you because of the respect, I'd say, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you right now, I'm sorry. Because I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to do it. When's the last time you went to God and said, I'm not going to hurt? That precious Holy Spirit you put in me, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to grieve it. He said, Don't grieve and don't quench. You know what quench means? It means to extinguish the effect. You build a fire because you want heat. Now you don't want the heat anymore. So you quench the fire, you put dirt on it, you put water on it, you smother it, you want to quench it. When's the last time the Holy Spirit got on you? Come on. And you just said, well, that's enough, that's enough. No, don't you dare quench him. It's a precious thing when the Spirit of God speaks to you and speaks to me I had preached a message my wife was with me and we're out in the car leaving and I turned to my wife and I said honey how how do you think it went tonight, what do you think now ladies let me give you a heads up here when we ask that question we are not asking for a critique we're just not She said, well, honey, it, 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 it went well. But she said, you told one story. I said, yeah, I remember. And she said, I was there. And you made the story, I'm afraid, sound better than it was. And she said, honey, don't hurt the Lord that She said, I know you. You're not a liar. You're not. But don't hurt him like that. I could have slid out under the door sill of the car. Isn't it amazing how we can turn into a Judas? Just a good I got to humble myself in his sight. I got to walk in the Spirit. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to grieve him. And I'm not going to quench him. Judas, you were smooth, talented. You fooled the disciples, you fooled them but you didn't fool God. I ask you, America, our families, our people need to see something that's real. Father, thank you for the precious men, for the precious spirit of this meeting. But God, as we're ready to go now, boy, I want to be real. Heads are bowed. How many of you say, Brother Gibbs, God helping me like never before, I want to be real. My heart's been touched. If that's true, hold your hand up right now. Again, the last time I bring you to this altar, if God touched your heart, you come out and step out and come right now. Don't hesitate, don't delay. By the grace of God, we can be real. Father, thank you for speaking to hearts, for speaking to my heart. God, by your grace, we want to be real, real. We humble ourselves in your sight. You know everything. And Father, we want to walk in the spirit, not the flesh. And God, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to grieve or quench. Hear the cry of our hearts. We can't do this without you. We can't do anything without you. But by your grace, we can be what you've called us to be real. Hear the cry of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Build it
1: to your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor I'm done being a Judas. Tell them I'm done. I'm done being a Judas.